It is currently 8.08 p.m. on Friday, February 26th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 8 of the Past Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Nigel Cornelius. I've got a nice glass of whiskey sitting next to me for today's episode. And uh, I'm going to, since the offseason media is boring, it's just a bunch of hype stories that I don't even want to bother trying to get into. I thought I'd start this episode off with an opinion piece. So uh, to start that off, I'm going to start off with a quote that some of you may have used or you've probably heard a million times. And that quote is always, stats don't lie. I'm here to tell you that they do. Stats without context lie all the time. And that's why analytics are way overvalued in the NFL. The NFL specifically. In sports in general. Because in all sports, you can find statistics to support any narrative you want. If you want to, you can go out and find statistics that prove you that Teddy Bridgewater is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. If you use rushing statistics, clean pocket accuracy percentage, you know, things like that. Teddy Bridgewater is a top 10 quarterback. If you ignore certain stats, it's this cherry picking's a thing. And that's the big problem with the modern NFL people who love analytics because they don't tell you the story. They they can tell you the story you want to hear if you use the right analytics, but they can you can just ignore the ones that don't support your narrative. For example, if you want to argue, you know, if you wanted to make the argument that someone like Mike Evans was the best wide receiver in the NFL because, oh, you know, he just had his seventh 1,000-yard season in a row and all that, but then when you look at the statistics and realize that he's never been the best in a single season and his catch percentage is in the 50s, realize that might not be wrong. When you add context to statistics, you get a different view. And that's what you need to do in the NFL. But the difference between like a stat, sport like baseball, statistics can damn near tell you the whole story. That's why analytics have made the manager in baseball sadly a less valued position. And managers now rely so heavily on analytics. But in the NFL, they don't do that as much. Because there's such a there's an aspect to NFL of unpredictability that analytics can't get right. Because one player you can't just look at one player to tell a story in an NFL field. You have to look at all eleven of them. You know, you can say a wide receiver's bad because his yards aren't a lot or he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, but you know, without context, context won't tell you, oh, his quarterback's shitty. Like, for example, if you look at three wide receivers drafted in the same class, you look at D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown, and Terry McLaurin. If you looked at this year alone, you'd think D.K. Metcalf was the best wide receiver out of all three of them. Um, if you take into their considerations, I think D.K. Metcalf is the third best receiver out of all of them. I know he's a physical specimen, but the other two, Terry McLaurin has put up stats with his best quarterback over the past two years being Alex Smith on a bum knee. A.J. Brown on bum knees with Ryan Tannehill has eclipsed 1,000 yards both seasons and is one of the best in the NFL running after the catch. D.K. Metcalf's had the luxury of having Tyler Lockett opposed to him and Ryan and uh, Russell Wilson throwing him the football. And that's what statistics won't tell you. Statistics won't show you the situation. For example, if you look at a defensive structure, if you look at a cornerback that gives up a lot of has a high completion percentage, you think he's bad. It depends on his scheme. If he runs in a uh, bend-don't-break defense, he'll give up a bunch of short completions, but he'll go up and make the tackle. You know, he won't give up the touchdowns. Or if you look at low interception, high interception numbers, they might think, wow, that guy's really good. 
but that doesn't tell you how often he gets burned, how many touchdowns he's given up, how many plays he misses going for the interceptions, vice versa, low interceptions. You look at guys like Jalen Ramsey and Jai Alexander, you say, boy, they don't get a lot of interceptions. Why do people call them the best? Because when you look at the film and you look at the whole picture, you see that their target percentage is extremely low. Their pass is defended as low because they don't targets. Uh, their pass rating allowed is low. Their completion rating allowed is low. Like You have to look at the entire picture with context. And in the NFL, that's why statistics don't work. Because one single statistic will not tell you. And even a group of them in the end can't fully tell you the picture because there's unpredictability on the field. Like intercept, another one, interception. Your quarterback gets, uh, even if a, if a wide receiver catches a pass, then fumbles it and, it gets, and the other guy catches it, if he hasn't fully cemented the catch, like on a tip ball, that's an interception. That's not a wide receiver catch and fumble. If the catch, that's an, It's an interception, even though it really isn't because the quarterback didn't do anything wrong. His wide receiver gave up the ball in the process of the catch. But the statue won't tell you that. And I know there are groups like Pro Football Focus who, you know, value half sacks and interceptions differently and all these statistics. They do their own spin on it. But in the end, they're just putting statistics in a way that fits their molds and their opinions. That's why people who take pro football focus grades as the gospel are idiots because those are grades without context. Pro football focus could tell you that Khalil Mack, if you look at uh, grades, Khalil Mack was the best uh, outside pass rusher this year, but everybody knows that wasn't true. Um, guys like Zadarius Smith were double-teamed more and produced more sacks. T.J. Watt was a Defensive Player of the Year candidate at the outside. Those grades are nice, but without the context, they're useless. Because you're not, you're just saying, oh, he was graded high. That means he's good. Not always. Because PFF grades on their plays, like they give grades for plays and then tally those up, but they count statistics differently. Uh, catches allowed is one where they'll give catches allowed to the closest available Target, even if it's, uh, for example, Tyron Matthew had a huge disparity in catches between what everybody else said, PFF, because there were multiple plays where the running back caught it in the backfield, and PFF said Tyron Matthew allowed a catch. That's that's why they do their grades, because they count statistics differently. But that con- without that context of knowing that, you just think he allows a lot of catches. He's not very good. And that's why you cannot overvalue. That's why statistics are overvalued. Because especially the new era of fantasy football, gurus treat them like gospel. Because the good players in fantasy football are the ones that get you points. That's why if you looked at his three-game stretch this year for fantasy football, you'd expect Jalen Hurts is going to be the next hot shit in Philadelphia. Personally, I don't think he'll work. He had a completion percentage in the mid-50s. Um, had 11 turnovers in three and a half games. That's interceptions and fumbles. Let alone he had a couple fumbles that he didn't lose. Uh, outside of play action, was not a strong passer. He could run, but you got to be able to throw the ball. You can't just, like, Lamar Jackson's a top five, not, not quite top, but is that one an MVP and is a top elite quarterback because as much as people shit on him, he can pass. His weapons aren't great in his pocket present. Um, pocket presence is, you know, mediocre. His ability to throw from the pocket and make reads. But when he, he has an arm, that is useful. He just doesn't have people who can catch. Jalen Hurts, though he didn't have amazing weapons, he didn't play great. But if you look at fantasy football statistics, he was a top quarterback each of the weeks he played because he ran. And rushing yards get you a lot of fantasy points. 
And that's another, like, we're wide receivers. People judge them completely. They go yards, touchdowns. That's all we need to judge. You, I mean, all we need to judge. People don't look at yards after catch with guys like Cooper Cup and A.J. Brown or contested catch percentage for guys like, you know, um, Allen Robinson. You know, uh, drop percentage. They look at drops themselves, but don't look at drop percentage. A guy with more targets is likely going to have more drops than a guy with less targets, but drop percentage will tell you exactly how many... Like, Tyreek Hill had a lot of drops this year, but with his target percentage, his drop percentage wasn't that bad. DK Metcalf, on the other hand, had a bit of a drop problem. Not bad, but he's an example of a guy who had one. But when you look, he said, well, that guy had more drops. Yeah, but what were his, what were his targets? Like, there's... You need... So much more than just one statistic. You need the film. You need an entire story. And this isn't even just... This is really in all sports. People overvalue statistics way too much. I still think the best thing you can use to judge a player is watching them play. If you know what you're watching, watching them play. You can't just use statistics on their own because they can 100% lie. As much as people try to say stats don't lie... Without proper context, they'll lie to you 10 out of 10 times. Because people, it's like when people compare players and they cherry pick their best stats. You have to compare all their statistics and then make a decision as well as watch the film. People do it all the time with quarterbacks without regarding situations of wide receivers they can throw to, tight ends, their offensive line situation, um, their catchable throws, you know, how are their throws because some guys throw some rough balls, get bailed out, luckily. You know, Patrick Mahomes this year had a NFL record, like 16 dropped interceptions. Nobody's calling Patrick Mahomes bad, but there's a bit of, there's a bit of luck in that. Compared to a guy like Aaron Rodgers who just doesn't really throw interceptions. That's the thing. If you use statistics without context, and I've said it multiple times, you're just setting, your, you're setting yourself up for failure. So that's, you know, my little opinion piece to start this off, is that analytics are way overvalued, and if you ever use the phrase, stats don't lie, you're wrong. Uh, but now to continue the segment I started last week, which is uh, the biggest needs, and um, last week I made a fuck up. I claimed I was talking about the AFC North, when in reality, I was talking about the AFC East. So in this episode, I thought I'd actually look at the AFC North which is the division that consists of Bengals, Ravens, Browns, and Steelers. So to start this off, we're going to look at the Bengals, who have serious needs at offensive tackle and the entire offensive line. Tight end and edge rusher. They they don't need wide receivers. They have guys like Tyler Boyd, they can probably re-sign Auden Tate for real cheap, and they have a top five pick. Uh, this is a name you're not, you heard me say a lot last week, and I'm going to say it again. With the fifth overall pick, if he's there, and all the other teams jump for quarterbacks, Penny Swell, take him. Take Penny Swell, please. Give Joe Burrow help. He damaged his knee brutally. May never have the mobility he once had. Draft lineman. If at the fifth pick... You do not have a top five offensive line prospect available. Don't draft Kyle Pitts. I know tight end's kind of a need, but don't draft Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is, you don't need, you need defensive help. You need edge rushers. You traded Carlos Dunlap. Your defense sucked last year. 
It's outside of safety. You need linebackers. You, you need a lot. Uh, well, and good news, you do have over $37.5 million in cap space. So you can sign God, like you could possibly sign some free agent offensive linemen. Not likely a lot of big O line guys, but you know, Packers, former Packers center. If Corey Lindsley hits the market, sign Corey Lindsley. He's a great center. Big interior line help. You know, you can sign, you know, maybe make a put. JJ Watts not going to the fucking Bengals. What am I talking about? JJ Watt wants to win a ring. You're not doing that in Bengals. But for once in your goddamn life, you cheat fucking owners. Spend money. You have a quarterback. Please surround him. Do not hang him out to dry like you did last season. And he still performed pretty well until he got hurt because your franchise sucks. And you don't know how to protect a player. So for one, stop being cheap. Maybe invest in an indoor practice facility. That'd be pretty fucking wild. Get some help. You know, hopefully with that top five pick, Penny Swell's around. I think he might be. If the Jets pull the trigger on... Zach Wilson, I think he'll be there because I I can see I think Jamar Chase is gonna go at three to the Dolphins. Even though they need O line help, they desperately need offensive wide receiver help. I think you can grab Swell at five. If not, risk trading up. The Falcons are probably gonna go quarterback to sit behind Matt Ryan and a guy like Fields or Wilson, whoever doesn't get picked by the Jets. If you need to make some noise to get up in front of. Actually, I mean, make some noise to get up to four. Actually, at that point, if he makes it out there, he's not going to Atlanta. What the fuck am I talking about? You're not trading up to... Maybe you're trading up to two with the Jets? Maybe? Probably not. The Jets, I don't think, are going to move. I think they're going to grab a piece. But even then, you can grab guys like Gregory Rousseau, who I think is going to drop further in the draft than he ever should. But if you're looking for defensive pass rushers, you can grab a guy like Quiddy Pay. So many guys. So many guys at five. That you can make a move for. Next team on the list is the team in this division that I think has the most young promise. The Cleveland Browns. Who just came off their first playoff win in a while. Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year. Uh, but let's cut it. You don't need anything on the offensive side of the ball. You have arguably the best O-line in football. Just pay Wyatt Teller. Keep him around. Tight ends are fine with Njoku and Hooper. Your wide receivers are fine with Odell Beckham Jr., and Jarvis Landry. Your running back room is fine with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Your quarterback situation is fine with Baker Mayfield. Start addressing the defensive side of the ball. You have desperate needs at cornerback, safety, and linebacker, and pass rusher. Only pass rusher, well, unless you maybe bring back Olivier Vernon. But but linebacker, safety, and corner. Especially corner. You have Denzel Ward. Amazing talent. Get a corner, too. Um, If there's a guy around in the draft, because you pick late, 20-ish? You'd pick the earliest, I think, out of the conference. Not conference teams, the semi-teams. Anyways, there could be a guy like corner J.C. Horn. Throw some money at a corner if you can. Uh, No, we just got burned in Green Bay, but people overrate Kevin King. People kind of make him seem worse than he was. You know, there's going to be other corners. Desmond King's going to be on the mark. A.J. Boye. Patrick Peterson, you need a corner too. And then a safety, you have Grant, Del- Grant Delphit coming back, who was a prospect I liked last year who sadly got injured, but you still need help at safety. 
Maybe make a move in free agency for a safety. You have just over $20 million in cap. Don't go for Earl Thomas. That guy's a fucking knob. There's a reason even Jerry Jones didn't sign him. That's saying something. Jerry Jones will sign, fucking signed Alvin Smith after he beat, was beating women and living in a car. But make some, and even then you're looking at possibly getting AJ JJ Watt. That'd be big because Miles Garrett's arguably one of the, is a top pass rusher in this league. But you need something else there. But and then off the ball linebackers, possibly you can get guys like Micah Parsons won't fall, but. Dylan Moses, Savian Collins, some guys, maybe even if some off-the-ball linebackers hit the market. I'm telling you, if Levante David hits the market, he's 31, but he plays like he's in his mid-20s. He would be a huge leader on that defense if you can get uh, Levante David or another linebacker or if you can grab one in the draft. Cleveland's finally in a good place. I think they take a huge step next year with Stefanski in year two, Baker in year two, Odell Beckham Jr. back. You just need to ensure that that defense can actually stop people from throwing the football because it it's really not good at that. Really not good at that. Then, moving on to the Ravens. Your needs are wide receiver, edge rusher, inside O-line, and safety. Your tackle situation's fine. I know bitch boys are demanding a trade, your other tackle there, because he played left while Ronnie Staley was out, but you have two of the better tackle you have two of the better tackles in the league. You have um your interior line is needs fixing. Marshall Yonda was a big loss. Your center made Lamar's life hell in that playoff game. But uh your biggest needs wide receiver. Your best wide receiver cannot be Marquise Hollywood Brown. Because that dude is just fast. That's all he's got. You need a wide receiver. And you have 18 million, just over 18 million in cap. Go. Get him. Get him. Get him. Go buy a Kenny Galladay. Go buy a Chris Godwin. Go buy an Allen Robinson. Go get a guy for Lamar to throw to. Because you have Mark Andrews, that's fine. You have a Marquise is a great deep threat, but you can't rely on him and be a number one, nor can you rely on a guy like Willie Sneed. Any of that noise. No. Go get a big name wide receiver. Because I don't know if they're gonna be around. With your draft pick, you need to I think get an edge rusher because I don't think you're gonna get Matthew Judon back. I think Matthew Judon's gone. You know, the Ravens love drafting mid round edge rushers and then letting them go. They did it with Zadaria Smith, who's now one of the best in the league as a Green Bay Packers fan. Thank you very much. But you, the Ravens are good at producing pressure through blitzes. You know, you have Pernell McPhee, those guys who really wouldn't do a whole lot in another team, but they fit well in the Ravens scheme. But you, you get a wide receiver, that should be your biggest need. Then edge in interior line and safeties, eh. Your corners are really good, but your safeties are old. And you will need to replace them, but you can take some later round shots, like, you know, some day two picks maybe on some safeties. Because it, it's it's like your man need. The Ravens are a really well-constructed roster. Their defense is aggressive, and it gets turnovers with, you know, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters and Patrick Queen... I think will develop fine. Wasn't what everybody thought he was going to be this year. I know if you look at his base stats, but this ties into earlier, he was horrible against the pass. He just wasn't amazing, but it's a rookie. Linebacker's not easy. 
He'll be fine. He's an athletic freak. He will be fine. But my main thing is go get a wide receiver. Either trade up and get one. Get one in the draft. Don't just draft another speedy guy. Make a play for an Allen Robinson, a Kenny Galladay, a Chris Godwin. Somebody who's going to get paid. And finally, to the NFL's, to to the team I think that's going to be the worst team in this division next year. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I know what you're going to say. How? They won the division. Even though they got embarrassed by the Browns in the playoff game, they won the division. Yeah, you had the NFL's worst run game. Your interior, your entire O-line really needs help. They're getting old. You lost, um, your O-line's getting old. You need a new center because Marquise Pouncey retired. I think Marquise, it's either Mike or Marquise. I can't remember which Pouncey retired. But running back to your biggest need, I don't pay one. You, at, you, with your pick, Travis Ateen should, or Najee Harris should be around. Draft either one of them. You're fine. That should fill your need. But you need to find holes at interior O-line. Offensive tackle, because they're all getting old, and you're going to need to fill those holes soon. And corner. And unlike the rest of these teams, you can't sign anybody. According to Over the Cap, which is where I've gotten all these cap numbers, the Steelers are currently just over negative ni- just over $19 million over the cap. Meaning, so they do not... Because this isn't like basketball, and this isn't like baseball, where there's a luxury tax. So guys can, you know, you you just pay a tax if you spend a little too much. No, no. If you're over the NFL salary cap, you lose draft picks. And then, in order of contracts newest to oldest dealt out, yeah, those don't get paid. Players don't get paid. So you have to be under the cap. There is no option of being, you know, allowed to be over the cap. You have to sit under it. So the Steelers are going to have to cut some guys. And with Big Ben coming back, your only other option was Dwayne Haskins, but maybe you even draft the quarterback. Because I don't even think Dwayne Haskins can be the future. Yeah, was a fucking strip club magnet in Washington. Now you're letting him learn under the understudy of booze and porn. And Big Ben, who if you asked him what is consent for 500, he'd turn and run away. The Steelers are fucked. Which is a shame. Guys like TJ Watt, Devin Bush, they have a good defense. But boy, that offense is going to blow. Because you're probably going to let Juju walk. And then you have Deontay drops the ball, Johnson. Chase Claypool was nice. Maybe get him off the shit-talking and the tick-talk and the making himself look like a goddamn fool. And, you know, I think you're going to end up in the league basement because Big Ben has a $40 million cap hit you can't afford to pay. Yeah, you can restructure, but that just... Or if he doesn't take a pay cut and he just restructures, that just pushes his cap hit down the hill. Yeah, I know it makes it so it's less this year, but it just pushes it further. Big Ben should really retire. But uh, porn elbow seems like he wants to come back and play. If you haven't caught it by now, I think Ben Roethlisberger is a piece of shit. Don't like the guy. You know, outside of all the allegations that have come off the field, that's a big reason. He's also just seems like a piece of shit dude. Um, <laughs> one of the YouTubers I watch calls him Captain Fat Fuck. And I think that's a funny name. That's a name I enjoy. Captain Fat Fuck. 
or Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben, piece of shit. Wherever we want to go with this, the Steelers are fucked. They got to clear $19 million. That's one of the league's worst. Like, the Packers are over the cap, but they're not that over the cap. It's not, it's not like the Saints. Saints are a new breed of over the cap. There's a reason they, Drew Brees took his salary down to league minimum, and he's waiting till June 1st to retire because that will save them more money. But they still... The Texans are cutting people. The Texans are just in a shithole. Deshaun Watson wants out still. <laughs> Jack Esterby. This is why you don't let pastors run your fucking franchise. Or Bill O'Brien. That didn't help either. But don't let pastors run your franchise. That's a bad idea. As we've seen. Really not a good time. So basically, uh, Bengals give Joe Burrow an O-line so he doesn't die. Ravens. Give Lamar someone who he can actually throw to the ball to and draft some more edge rushers for later down the road. Browns. Defense. Get people who can cover and get people who can shove the run from the linebacker position. Steelers. Take a running back with your pick and then find a way to fill out the rest of that roster without spending any money. Have fun. <laughs> and that's everything for this week. Remember to check out the social media at PassProPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, please rate the podcast and subscribe as both will help a lot. Thank you for listening.